as I said, as long as you move in the right direction, you will get there. As long as you just want to do better, it doesn't matter how big the steps are and how fast it is. Just as long as you try to do your best and try to do better and you want to learn more. And eventually, if you go in the direction that you want to about having a smaller impact on the planet, then eventually it will become your normal. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. Welcome to my second conversation with Evelina. I've spoken to a lot of people who have started from doing less and took on smaller projects, so it would, have been, it would seem a lot easier for them. A lot of people talk about change. Evelina did, and she did a lot, and she enjoyed it more. Recall, she's a travel writer who chose not to fly, and now she's taking time without using plastic. That's a pretty big challenge. Her challenge, as I saw it, was about personal responsibility, creating joy, not waiting for others to make it easier for you. I see acting by your values, not just talking about it or hoping that others will make it easy for you as a matter of integrity. And that's what Evelina has in spades, integrity. Listening to this conversation, you'll get to hear how people who are doing more than most people sound like when we talk to each other. It's very refreshing for my part. I hope that you're making big changes like this too. Plus, you'll get to hear my punch a kid analogy, which will probably get me in trouble one day, but you heard it here first. Anyway, let's listen to Evelina. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Evelina Utrudal. Was it close? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Not even close. Okay. <laughs> I just said to her before starting the recording that I wanted to talk to her to catch up, but there's no way I can talk to her without talking about your past 30 days or so because you committed to no plastic. And not only did you commit it to me on this recording, but then you went all over Instagram and told everyone that you're doing it too. So you really, it's like you, um, who was it, Cortez, who sank his boats when he reached the new world? Because if you sink your boats, then you can't leave. You got to do it. And I feel like that's what you did. I'm really curious how things went. It's actually gone really well. Yeah, it's gone surprisingly. I didn't think it would be so easy. I mean, I've had to turn down a lot of like cookies and ice creams <laughs> and stuff, <laughs> but that's like not too bad. Everything that I've needed has been easy to get plastic free. It was just like a couple of things like I needed to uh, take out my medication, which is in plastic, but that's not something I can compromise with. And I can't not take my medicine. And then also like a week ago, I got parking ticket or we did. I don't drive, but my friend did when we were there. And the ticket was in a plastic wrapping like set on the windshield to keep it from not getting destroyed if it rains or whatever. But apart from that, it's honestly been surprisingly easy. So it's funny that at the level that you're looking at is like a wrapper on a ticket. On the one hand, for most people, this is like, it would be so inconsequential that they wouldn't even consider that part of, like they wouldn't even notice that. 
you know, they're like, oh, I got a ticket. And the plastic wrapper is not even in their consciousness. And then I'm guessing with the ice cream and stuff, was it that there was, it wouldn't, would it be served in a plastic container or would it be a spoon? Because I presume you carry a spoon with you, but I'm not sure. I do, but I haven't like always had it with me. And if there aren't, because I'm vegan, the cones normally would have eggs or something in them. So if they don't have vegan cones, I would get in a cup, which is cardboard, but almost always they have the plastic spoons. And if I hadn't had that with me or just buying like a, a packaged, like at a kiosk or something to buy an ice cream from there, it usually comes in plastic wrapping or case or whatever you call it. And I think to people who aren't vegan, they think, oh, it's such a pain. You got to keep track of all the egg and stuff. Are you talking about something that like occupies your mind? Is this like a big deal of keeping track of the egg in, in a cone? It has depended on how much time I've had. Like going to the normal grocery store has been no problem because, and I showed this on my Instagram too, as, as I wanted to invite my followers to join too, if they wanted to. I also shared some tips, like going to the grocery stores. If you want pasta, there's almost always pasta, both wrapped in plastic or in cardboard. Mm -hmm. And then just take the one that's in the cardboard, the paper that you can recycle. And when I did it, it, it actually even happened to be the cheaper one. So, so, and, but yeah, to just like look at the options and find that usually there are options that are not in plastic. Sometimes it's more expensive, but it just makes me think more when I shop, which is something that I want to learn more about. Like when I purchase something, whether it's like clothing or food or like technology, whatever, I want to not just buy without thinking. I want to think about how was this made? Like, where does it come from? Who made it? What were the circumstances of how they worked? And I'm talking like modern slavery. If the people have been paid properly, not working in dangerous environments and stuff like that, I want to become a conscious consumer and a conscious person. I mean, obviously, this is not just something that I've jumped into from not knowing. This has been a road for me. And I just want to learn a little bit more every single day. So no one out there gets who hears this think that it's it sounds overwhelming because you don't go from nothing to being completely plastic free and doing everything good. That doesn't happen. Like I still have bought a few things that had some plastic on it. And yeah, you know, you're not perfect, but it's just a process. It doesn't matter how big the steps are as long as they're always like in the right direction. So you're talking about plastic and I feel like what's underneath is something different. Like in my terms, you're talking about your values and you're talking about living by your values. Yeah. Is that how you think about it? How do you think about it? Because anyone listening to this, yeah. you're not just talking about plastic. Yeah, no. If you'd pledged to, I don't know, there's some French people last century that they decided they'd write a book without the letter E. Just a kind of challenge to them. It's kind of hard because the letter E shows up in a lot of words. Yeah. But that's not really meaningful. I don't know. That's a literary thing. But it's, yeah. what are you talking about? What's going on? If emotionally or? Well, I am very driven by my values. In almost everything I do, I want to make sure that the impact that I have on the world and the places that I visit and the people that are affected by whatever I do, I want that to be a good thing. So yeah, that's why I want, you know, just that kind of easy thing that the people who worked to make a product or, um, or something that they have actually been working in good conditions. That's just to me something that I don't want to put my money and support a business that uses people just to buy 
just to make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I always try to learn more and I buy ethically. I try to buy locally and uh, fair trade. And yeah, and then the plastic is another thing as well. That's uh, more about the environment than just the people. But people are affected too because the plastics that come into nature enters, you know, the microplastics come into the water streams or the animals that some people later eat. So we get these toxins that some plastic contains and the microplastics like in our bodies. And I want to have a good impact on the world, not the opposite. Yeah. The term microplastic, I'm just going to react to quickly because macroplastics, first of all, macroplastics are pretty annoying too. And also macroplastics all break down into microplastics. So to me, it's all plastics. Anyway, that's a little side. Now, a lot of people, they would look at the level that we're talking about of getting to the point of, of the container of the ice cream or the wrapper around the ticket. They're like, that's such a tiny thing for them that they like I was at lunch and I, and, um, I brought a fork out because there are plastic forks and I happen to have a metal fork with me. So I got out and started using it. And my friend said, that's like really out there, Josh. And my response in the moment was just the fork weighs nothing. It's taking up no space yeah. in my bag. I just stick it in there. I don't think about it. And every now and then I use it. Like that's not really, it's not like I'm breaking my back over this thing. Yeah. But that's not the point. I mean, yeah, even if it was big and heavy, I'd probably still bring it anyway. And the issue is more to me, a matter of integrity. Here's a nice way to put it. You know, I'm learning to sail boats. And one time I'm getting on the boat and I step from the, the shore or the, uh, the dock over the lifeline onto the boat. So my, my, I'm straddling the, uh, the stanchion and the lifeline, the fence on the edge of the boat. And the skipper says, first step on the boat with both feet on the outside of the lifelines. Then when you're on the boat, step over it. Because it could happen that you're, the boat moves away from the dock and you don't want to fall. You don't want your legs to be spread apart like that. And I thought... If there's a right way and an, if there's an optimal way to do it and a not optimal way to do it, do it optimally. Why would you not, you know, just, and in life, to me, that's how I think about it. If I can do it one way that's by my values, do it that way. And the more, and so when you get to finer and finer points, instead of, I think other people look at it as increasingly trivial, but I look at it as an increasingly integral. That's my way of looking at it. You're the first person I've talked to who's looking at something like, no, B. Johnson. But there's not many people that I've spoken to who get to this level. And so I'm curious your way of looking at it is that, I mean, something must go on in your head. Like when you're thinking, maybe you wanted the ice cream and you're like, well, there's no way I can do it. What do you think of, but then you choose not to get it. So you must be choosing the better, something better for you. Is there something like a values conflict that you're working on in there? Well, for something, I mean, some things like an ice cream, I can live without ice cream. With a medicine, I cannot live without it. So that's an easy choice. And then sometimes there are like more gray areas. And then, yeah, I just have to choose what I actually, I was visiting some friends in Stockholm and I was going to the grocery store and they asked me to buy some milk and they're not vegan. So they wanted cow's milk and cow's milk is the only packaging for milk that doesn't have like a plastic lid because you need to shake like plant-based milks. You need to shake them in order to make it homogenize them. Exactly. And, um, I stood there in the store and I just, I couldn't buy the cow's milk. (laughs) I stood there and I just said, no, I can't. In this case, I value the baby cows more than the plastic lid. The mother cow too, I think. Yeah. So I bought them uh, oat milk instead with the plastic lid, which is though it's, I think it's like, it's more than 80% bioplastic, but still. Yeah. So that was one of those times where I had to choose. Can you tell me more what's going on inside your head and heart when you're doing that? Because it's not just like, like if someone says, um, 
would you like an apple or a pear? I'm like, oh, what do I feel like today? I'll go for the apple today. But that's not this kind of decision that you're talking about, I think. No, this is deeper. This is about values and you have to prioritize it. Or you do, even though if you don't think about it, you do prioritize different values that you have. And for me, in this case, this one plastic lid, just because I was on this challenge and tried to really minimize my plastics, didn't have the same value as not supporting an industry that kills baby cows, (laughs) which a lot of people don't know this because they ask me, why don't you drink milk? They don't kill the cows, which is not true because they kill the male baby cows. That's where veal comes from. (laughs) That's what calf is, baby cow. So Same thing with the chickens. Yeah. I'm surprised how many people ask me that and how many people have never thought about like where veal comes from. Or why? Do you see veal or calf in America? Yeah. And why aren't there bulls everywhere? Yeah. Yeah. And what happens to the male chickens? Yeah. And actually, there's another side. I don't know if you get this a lot. When I talk about not polluting a lot, they can't stop themselves from asking about toilet paper. It's like something in like in the minds of people. (laughs) It's like I can't like before I stop polluting first, I have to find out what everyone who doesn't who pollutes less than I do does about toilet paper. I'm like, (laughs) this is the top thing on your mind. Like you're you're going to take out every other day. And all you take out is like a month's worth of plastic for me. Now more because of you, because as you can expect, this has affected me. I haven't gone zero plastic, but I've like reduced it a lot in this past month or so. And people are wasting so much and they're like, ah, but what about toothbrushes? I'm like, that's what you're like. A toothbrush (laughs) is such a tiny thing. Like you can do so much that where it's pure improvement and by your standards in your life. And you're actually, I take it back because, you know, that's what I did for a long time. And It's what school teaches you is analyze and plan and write it all out on paper before you actually do anything. I don't know what, I mean, different people go to different schools, but my school is definitely analyze, plan, work out the theory. And then that's like all you have to do. You don't actually have to do stuff except maybe write a paper about it, but you can write a paper without actually doing anything. And I can't really blame people for doing what I did, but the value stuff, some people would say, why are you making it so difficult on yourself? Why don't you just... Don't think about it. Enjoy life. I mean, I know for me, it's integrity and responsibility are just are just greater value. It brings me such a greater feeling inside than either the feeling of not caring or the t- like. If I got the ice cream, one, I wouldn't eat the ice cream. <laughs> Two, now I'm um, like the plastic and stuff. I, I would avoid. Two, there's so many reasons I wouldn't eat it. But I do know that it brings me a pleasurable feeling if it's on my tongue. That is nothing compared to. I don't get such a great feeling from not polluting anymore. I just feel like that's normal. But the crap that I would feel of just jettisoning what I care about and I look at the beauty in the world that is somewhat less beautiful when there's a piece of plastic in the middle of it that I'm responsible for. How about you? But I think that's what you said. Like you want to get to a point where it's normal. And if you're changing something, then it takes a while. So yeah, a lot of people ask like, oh, that sounds like so like so much work. Why do you make it so hard on yourself? But Yeah, I mean, it can be hard in the beginning and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to forget to ask for no plastic straw. But like, as I said, as long as you move in the right direction, you will get there. As long as you just want to do better, it doesn't matter how big the steps are and how fast it is. I think it's just as long as you try to do your best and try to do better and you want to learn more. And eventually, if you go in the direction that you want to about, you know, having a smaller impact on the planet, then eventually it will become your normal. You know, when you said that about like, why do you work so hard? I thought about athletes and 
most athletes don't win Olympic gold medals. Most athletes don't become number one in the world. Does anyone say to them, why do you try? It's so hard to lift all those weights. Why do you run all those sprints? Why do you do that? You're not going to win. <laughs> Could you imagine someone saying that to someone like, like Simone Biles is going to win the golds? Why bother? Why do you work so hard? Just have some cake. Yeah. <laughs> Would anyone say that to a gymnast? It's, I don't know. Maybe. To me, it's clearly aesthetically beautiful just to think of a gymnast or any athlete. I think yeah. when I go to a professional track meet, it's like they, their feet don't even touch the ground. It's such a, it's like they're taking what human beings are capable of to the limit and exploring that limit. And on a personal level, I don't know if you ever see Arnold Schwarzenegger and videos of him talking about what he put into what he did. And it's like, it's discovering about yourself, the personal growth, the personal, the, it's such a, an amazing dis- voyage of discovery and so forth. That's patently obvious just to look at the guy. Like he's obviously pushed himself to limits that most people haven't done. And most people wish they could do that. And they, I think they either envy him or if they don't, there's something missing in their lives. And so not polluting, it's not nearly on the scale of what an athlete does to win the Tour de France or to get to the Super Bowl. And yet people look at it like it's too hard to carry a fork around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or that it's, I mean, to be an athlete, you have to learn anatomy and you have to learn psychology and you have to learn diet and you have to learn motivation and nutrition. And those are all, in my opinion, great, great things. And this is like that. If people want to improve their lives, I, this is something I say a lot. I haven't really fleshed this out to say it really comprehensively. If someone wants to improve their life, if they want to lose weight, if they want to lose fat, or if they want to put on muscle, or if they want to motivate themselves to get promoted more, stuff like that, they have to develop themselves and grow as a person. And some of those things are challenging. Like if you want to get a raise at work and you're trying to figure out how to practice to talk to the boss, it's kind of hard to practice without actually talking to the boss. But all these improvements to yourself of having the nerve to try something that's hard, to practice, to you can get all these things through changing your environmental behavior. It's an amazing way to develop yourself without any risk. I guess there's the risk of someone might think that you're doing it for fake reasons or you're just being trendy. That's a pretty low risk. I mean, you're not going to get physically injured. You're not going to get emotionally hurt, I don't think. I can't see that happening. And yet you can still grow, learn about yourself, learning how to do stuff that you want to do, even when it's easier not to. And how does that sound to you? It does make sense. And I think it's a good comparison, but I feel like comparing with um, like the athletes with trying to have a lower impact, the athlete thing is kind of more for a personal gain. If you want to become stronger or whatever and win medals. I mean, yeah, you probably inspire a lot of people, but the thing about trying to have a lower impact is basically the survival of the earth. Like if we're going to continue this, following generations will not have a, a livable planet in the end if we don't do something. So it's so much bigger. I don't know. I can understand it's a very deep and heavy subject to think about if you've just gotten started or if you're just hearing about this. So I can understand that it's very overwhelming and that it seems like it's really hard. But yeah, I mean, there are so many guides out there. There are so many great places to find inspiration. So it's bigger than yourself. It's for what's to come. That's that's a point. If the athlete doesn't train, then there's just one less trained person in the world. Yeah. If someone doesn't act on their environmental values, then there's more pollution in the world. So it affects everyone. Yeah, exactly. And then you do point out the sensitivity toward people. If you haven't cared about this stuff, life's pretty good. You eat the ice cream. And you don't think twice about it. You pick up the milk and whichever milk you feel like getting, you get. And you think, yeah. oh, all those people, they have to do all that stuff. They have to think about all the things. Have to, I'm going to have to research all these things. 
from their perspective, it's a big mess. I guess it's like when I started going to the farmer's market at the beginning, I didn't know what most of the vegetables were. And so it was daunting just to go. And what if I got the wrong one? Or what if I got one that didn't taste good or something like that? Then it would make me feel ashamed for not knowing or make me feel embarrassed. And what did you start? What started you? Do you remember? No, it wasn't just one thing. It's really just been a slow process throughout like years. I mean, partially I do come from Sweden, which is naturally very aware and recycling has always kind of been part of normal life in Sweden for at least for most people. But I guess, it's just, yeah, it's just grown. And I think it started a lot when I became vegan like three and a half years ago, even though I did it for the animals. When I got into reading about these and found this whole new world, I also learned a lot about the environmental impacts. And then I got into that. And then the more I dig into it, the more I learn. So I learn new things all the time. I just learned like very recently that cigarette butts are actually made from plastic, mm-hmm. which I mean, I don't smoke. So I, you know, I was going to say, I didn't see you smoking, but <laughs> it's not weird that I don't know. But still, I've read that even a lot of people who do smoke think that the cigarette butts are made from some sort of cotton or something that does biodegrade. But yeah, so it's, I learn new things all the time. Every single day, there's a lot of things that I don't know yet that I do, I don't know, wrong that in the future I will be better at, but I don't want to take on too much. Like now I did the plastic free to learn more how to live with as little plastic as possible, but I still haven't got like another, I don't want to say project or problem that I am a part of that I want to not be a problem of is palm oil, for example. But I've had so many other things that I've learned about that I've had to take like one at a time or it would get too overwhelming. So I still buy products sometimes that does have palm oil. I've started now to look a little bit at it and try to avoid it, but I will get to a point when I feel that this plastic-free thing, that I've got it more covered, I'm going to go more into that issue. And then later on, there will probably be another issue that I am still part of a problem rather than a solution. But then I will take that then. So I don't know, it's been a very long process, but it's gone slow. So yeah, I don't know. And the more I learn... (laughs) the more issues I find out about, but I don't see it as hard. I find it, I actually find it very rewarding to do something good. Mm -hmm. And I like challenges and it's more rewarding to do challenges with something that is actually good for the world and not just something for the challenge itself. How about your relationships with other people? How did the people feel when you came back with the, it was oat milk, if I remember right. Were they annoyed? Were they happy? Or in general, how did this affect your relationships this past month? I guess I've been very lucky that I have good friends and also like this oat milk that we have in Sweden. It's really good. You probably have it in the States as well. It's from Oatly and it's like specifically made for coffee. And it's just really good. Like my parents are not vegans, but they only use that oat milk in their coffee because it's really good. Because of the taste. Yeah, because of the taste. And because it's also for them, it's an easy switch to make that to them, it doesn't matter that much. But in the end, if you look in one year, how much milk that they don't buy because they buy this. So that's also not, they're not, they didn't take milk away. They added oat milk and then they didn't have the need for the milk. Mm -hmm. So that was an easy change for them. And then also I did this road trip now for a couple of weeks with a friend who luckily is also very conscious about plastic and environmental issues. So he was totally on board with this uh, plastic free thing. So he did it too. So before the 
the road trip we went to, because we met up in Berlin where he lives, and we went to one of the bulk stores and we had our little baths and we bought like rice, lentils and pasta, quinoa, and then we went to buy tomato sauce in glass jars. And so I've been very lucky that people are very understanding of this. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. Whether intentional or not, you've curated a community around you. Community to me is a big thing. That's another thing we haven't really talked about here, that I feel like the more you live by your values, even when it's challenging, I think that that attracts people who, usually it's people who share those values, but it could also be people who don't share those values, but also they recognize the passion. Because I think passionless people, I think, don't attract other people to be with them. But when you live by your passions, by passion, I mean things you care about more. I think it tends to bring people to you. I guess it repels people also. Yeah. Well, I'm drawn to people who are very passionate and energetic because I gain energy from those people. So when I'm with people who are enthusiastic and excited, I get excited too. So yeah, I am drawn to to people like that. So if this was not so much of an issue, have there been issues in the past of when you've taken steps that other people hadn't yet taken those steps or weren't up for? Mm. Or has everyone been supported from the start, being Swedish and all? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess in some cases, especially with like going vegan and then with these big family dinners and like the older generations don't really understand like why wouldn't you eat meat but you can eat fish that's not an animal or like <laughs> oh, yeah. um yeah. and also with this um like non-flying thing a lot of people are like yeah but going by bus is also causing you know an impact on the climate so no i would have to say that i'm I guess I'm lucky. If anything, even if they don't care too much about these things, they tell me that I inspire them and they have by themselves made better changes. So I get a lot of messages from people, both people that I know, but also people who follow me that I don't know, who message me and tell me about these different changes they have made because of me or something that I've said or done. Can you give an example of of a change and how did it make you feel when it came back to you? Oh, it's like the best thing in the world. Yeah, no, I have uh, everything from people telling me they're eating less meat to uh, people saying they've stopped using plastic bags to people telling me that like one girl, she traveled from Sweden to Berlin without flying because of me. And even a girl who told me that she's going to go to South Korea from where she lives in Scotland without flying. Wow, by train and boat, I guess. Yeah. I'm not sure a boat is needed, but yeah. Oh, and yeah, no, you probably do need to. I guess you could take the channel. Yeah, I think you need to do take a boat. And then take the last to part. South Korea without going through North Korea. Yeah, because I don't think they have a border to um, directly to China. I'm not sure about that, but yeah. I have a friend who's trying to engineer a bike ride from Pyongyang to Seoul across okay. the DMZ. Yeah, I'm trying to get in on that one. Wow, that would be amazing. Yeah, the feeling, every now and then I'll get an email from someone saying, hey, Josh, I found your blog, I found your podcast, and uh, you know what? I'm going to go meet free for a month. And I think, wow, that's cool. But my favorite part is I, then I'll put on my calendar, check with so-and-so in a month how it went. Oh, yeah. 
And then I want, my favorite part is I ask them, are you going to stick with this or is that just a one month thing? And what they never expect at the beginning is that by the end of it, they feel like yeah. this is something I want to keep up. This wasn't so hard. And all of what we, you and I have been talking about in this call. And then I write back. It's often now people who listen to this are going to be like, oh, Josh is sending out four emails to me. But if someone listens to this and they contact me and they say, I decided I'm going to go without flying for a month or something like that, or maybe a lifetime, then I say, this is how it begins. First, you go without plastic for a month. Next thing you know, you know you're doing burpees every day or something like that. Because fitness to me fits in with it pretty well. But, uh, you know, next thing you know, you're doing more and more and more and you're enjoying it more and more and more. Yeah. I hope that- And it becomes normal for you. I think that, I mean, we are creatures of habits. So we just have to create new habits if we want to do good. Did I tell you about how people respond when they say, oh, that's so impressive about the not getting so much garbage? I actually emptied my garbage out the other day. For the first time, it was I'm in month 16. And everyone's like, oh, that's so impressive. Have I told you my thought about like with the kids and the punching? This is okay. No, the- <laughs> this is good. Some people are going to be like, Josh, you're crazy. But I think of it like when someone says that's so impressive that you don't produce so much garbage because they produce that much in sometimes a day or a week. That's how I felt at the beginning. But after it becomes normal, producing the garbage like that, like I used to or like they do now, is abnormal. And so I feel like it's as if everyone punches their kid and I don't punch my kid. And they say, oh, that's so impressive that you don't punch your kid in the face all the time. I'm like, I don't punch my kid. It's not that impressive. I don't think it's praiseworthy to not punch your kid. Now, obviously punching a kid is not the same as producing plastic, but there is a certain thing about someone's got to deal with that plastic and it's not you. It's going to be the next generations. Yeah. And I don't think it's that impressive. When did it become normal? If it's impressive to not pollute, that means polluting is normal. When did that become normal? How do we accept that? Yeah. And it's pretty new. Like just talking to my parents. When they were young, it was not like this at all. So it's pretty new. So I feel like we should be able to go back. Yeah, it's, I mean, plastic didn't exist a while ago. And I was reading this book on, on waste in New York City. One of the panelists at my panel in the spring wrote this great book. On, she's an NYU professor. She's had a TED Talk. Her name is Robin Nagel. And she loves garbage as a topic. Yeah. And even though she's living a great life as a professor and so forth, she goes to the Department of Sanitation and gets a license to drive one of the garbage trucks and, and works with them. And actually, she's like the anthropologist in residence with the DSNY, yeah. the Department of Sanitation. And she has pictures in her book of there was a, one commissioner of, of sanitation maybe a century ago. And there's before and after pictures, early photography. And New York City was like ankle deep, maybe knee deep in horse manure, in garbage, in dead animals, like their dead cats and dead dogs were just in the street. And this guy comes through and whips everyone into shape and makes it so that like a month later, you can see the street again. You can see the stones in the street. And you know, clearly one of these is more conducive for human life. But even then, no matter what you threw out, it was biodegradable. I mean, the poop would have cholera and dysentery and things like that. That's really horrible. Kids would die. People would die. It must have smelled horrible. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't going to be around for 10,000 years or 500 years. Yeah. And the stuff that we produce, you know, if you were walking in the woods and you finished your apple and you just threw the apple core out, there's a reasonable chance there'd be an apple tree later someday. Yeah. But now if you throw the wrapper from your granola bar out, that wrapper is going to be there a long, long time. And I guess we just don't really want to care. We just want to yeah. move on and not really think about it. And I think it's too big of an issue for people. Like it's too overwhelming. So they kind of stop themselves from thinking about it because... It feels too big. It feels, I don't know, I guess a lot of people feel like it's hopeless. I'm an optimist, so I definitely think that we can reverse this and get back on track. 
And I think there's really strong feelings of guilt and helplessness. And me, it was guilt and helplessness were the big ones. And you really just want to say, look, I didn't make that wrapper. Like, I just wanted the granola bar. I don't like granola bars. It's all sugar. Anyway, but, you know, I didn't want the wrapper. That's someone else did that. Why is my life difficult? Because of someone else's choice. Yeah. I don't look at it that way anymore. But it certainly is really easy to think that way. Yeah. It was up to me. But then there's some things. See, the wrapper you can avoid. You can just get an apple instead. But the airplane, like I think a lot of people feel like it's not my fault that the airplanes pollute so much. If it was up to yeah. me, it would be solar powered. The fact that we haven't created solar powered planes is not my fault. That shouldn't stop me from traveling. Someone should just do that. Except it's not necessarily physically possible to make an airplane that would be solar powered. And even if you, I guess, possibly will get some batteries in them that can hold a charge and the solar power can charge them otherwise. But we don't live in that world where there's solar-powered planes, or even if there are solar-powered planes, I imagine the embedded carbon is going to be like really huge to say nothing of other pollution. But it's so easy to get into that. If it was up to me, it wouldn't be this way. You can't blame me for something else. But that's why I call it leadership in the environment, because yeah, if people are just purely passive and they just want to take what they get, I think that's a pretty, there's a reason the phrase, an unexamined life is not worth living, has stood the test of time and has been around for millennia. And it's a matter of examining your life and then acting on what you come up with when you examine it. I think that leads to a better life. Yes, you're not going to be able to fly as much as you used to. Yes, you're not going to be able to eat some of the foods you used to. That's not worse. That's just fewer, less flying. Yeah. I feel like a lot of stuff you say resonates so much with me. I'm like, yeah, that's how I feel too. No one else talks that way. Everyone's like, why bother with a fork? And instead, and is it also, am I saying stuff that you're like, yes, that I feel that way too. Or I've gone through that transition too. Yeah, absolutely. But on the other hand, like I've gotten in contact with so many people who have the same mindset as us Mm -hmm. through um, Instagram, mostly, or YouTube. And so I kind of have this big network now, like uh, I'm in Barcelona now. And um, yesterday I joined this uh, organization called Pure Clean Earth that picks up trash on the beaches. So they have it in a few different locations and they are growing. So they're starting to do it a bit all over the world. And yeah, here in Barcelona, they have it every single Sunday. And uh, I met the guy who started it all. I found him through Instagram, through a girl who does like a sustainable living and started like a low impact movement. So with following all these people who have a similar mindset, I find other people through there are a lot of people like us. It's really gratifying to feel understood, to feel part of a community, to feel like you're not going out on a limb, to feel like you're not alone. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, in the US, it's not quite so, uh, there's definitely a lot of people who would talk like us and act like us. And there's a lot of people who, well, there's a lot of people, all right, let the record show. People can't see us. This is just audio. But everyone go to, it's earthwanderers.com because in the United States, there's still lingering this thing of like dirty hippies. And they're like, you are not someone who's like unkempt and tie-dyes or not, nothing wrong with tie-dyes, but you know, you're like, if someone passed you on the street, no one would think this is someone in, out of the ordinary at all. So I think in Europe, that's probably more normal. Here, you still get a few people who, it's not yet mainstream, even in places like, I mean, sorry, it is mainstream, but it's not majority in places like New York or San Francisco. But I think there's still lingering a bit of like, oh, they're probably out there or they probably do stuff that I wouldn't do. Because there's definitely, when I go to events, there's definitely a few people always who show up who are, who fit the stereotype that I don't really get along with. Yeah. That's their business, you know. With the harem pants and the dreadlocks and the... Yeah. You're talking about the typical hippie where you can see 
Like the stereotype. Yeah. Or haven't showered that much. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> like cleanliness, cleanliness is really important to me. And yeah, I like to smell good and nothing. I, like, that's their business. But probably people listening to this, because if I have Seth Godin and I have like Dan Pink and people like that, like it's going to be like more mainstream people. And I think increasingly this is a mainstream thing. There are people who are out of the mainstream, but more and more mainstream. It's kind of funny because normally I think of mainstream as like not what I don't know the last time I walked into a Gap or Banana Republic and bought a piece of clothing just because it feels like too unimaginative. Here I am saying like, oh, but it's mainstream. It's kind of funny to meet here. Yeah. Well, uh, we've been talking for a while. I want to wrap up. Is there anything I didn't think to ask that came up when you were doing this that you thought like, oh, let's, I want to make sure this comes out or anything like that? No, I can't really think of anything. Um, yeah, it's funny. So host, I'm trying to, I'm like thinking, it's like, what's the controversy? What can I get out of it? But it's like the overwhelming thing is like, it was just the next step. Yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. Like it was just, I mean, I've been trying to do less plastic for a while, but by doing this challenge, I really tried harder and it just speeded that process up for me to actually get to the point where I can see how I can easily avoid it and that there are options and that worst case scenario, I just have to say no to some cake. <laughs> Oh, well, you're welcome. (laughs) If I presume to, it sounded, I mean, it sounded like it was not just a net positive, but almost pure positive to your life. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There hasn't been any negative part about it at all. Like, I mean, it's, there are usually options and if there aren't, it can't be that big of a deal. Well, any message direct to the listeners? Do you want to leave them with or advice or anything like that for them? I would just say that, um, try your best and just try to go in the right direction. It's going to take time and it should take time. And yeah, just take it step by step. Don't get overwhelmed. And uh, there's plenty of inspiration to find on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook and online. So if you ever feel like you need more motivation, just go online, do some research. You'll find plenty of people that can help you with any question you might have. Evelina, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And of course, I'll have all the connections to your Instagrams and everything on the page where this is located so people can just scroll down and click. It's a delight talking to someone who acts and achieves, not just makes excuses. People talk about awareness without changing. And increasingly, I see that behavior, everybody keeps talking to me about how awareness is necessary to change behavior. Maybe it is, but in my experience, over and over again, I see that changing your behavior leads to awareness much more than the other way around. If you want to work on one of them, I say work on behavior because that will change your awareness much more than working on awareness will lead to behavior. And ultimately, your behavior is what matters to the environment. If you are not in a community of people who have changed their lives and have reached the point where acting on your environmental values, where that you find that that improves your life and makes life easier, I hope you'll join soon. The conversations and shared experiences are much more fun. As a side effect, you'll also help clean the earth. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and 
Living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.